От ви спитали, як так може бути. Так може бути тому, що Донбас взагалі регіон, який, ну, це не просто депресивний регіон, розумієте, там настільки великий комплекс таких грона проблем, і головніше, наприклад, тому, що там просто дика кількість абсолютно непотрібних людей. В економі, повірте, я абсолютно свідомо про це говорю. От якщо брати навіть чисто Донецьку область, там приблизно 4 мільйони населення. Що не менше мільйона півтора, там просто зайвих людей. Я хочу сказати, нам не треба розуміти Донбас, нам треба розуміти взагалі український національний інтерес. А Донбас треба просто використати як ресурс. Які треба відповідно з приводу розуміння Донбасу. Мені здається, що ну в мене нема зрозуміння жодного рецепту, що тут можна зробити швидко, але ем, найголовніше, що треба зробити е, в даний момент, е, як це там жорстоко не призвучить, є певне є певна категорія людей, яких треба просто вбити. the daily wrap-up a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours saturday july 8th 2023 thank you for joining me today gonna be just a a three a, a few topics that i'm gonna cover today wasn't planning on getting to a show had a great interview with Freddie Pontone that I put out today, but I thought it was important to cover just a few topics. And funny enough, one that I was considering getting into today, I decided not to, as you kind of look over everything and realize how much so many topics out there today are really distracting from what's most important. You know, and it, it's really just my perspective. I could be wrong about that, but, you know, I think that's why a lot of people tend to to gravitate towards this show because we, at least I do my best as I see it to try to avoid the you know, the social commentary traps that are out there today. But I want to talk about some really important things today that are just to kind of make, you know, they're really in the large scheme of things, like we're going to start with the cluster bomb discussion. It's as crazy as it sounds to even say this, that this is a small topic in the larger scheme of what's going on today. And it's just crazy to think about because it's such an incredibly important conversation. And not to say that it should be dismissed. I've been talking about it and it's very important. But it's crazy to think about how much else is going on, even just the entire topic of Ukraine itself. But these topics are important because it really does reach the, the kind of person that might disregard larger discussions that they've been kind of primed to, to dismiss without thinking. Except this is something that is even being kind of just rolled around by the corporate media. And so if we can step into this conversation and show somebody what this really means. Not the flowery language being used by the people in the press office, but really what it is that these cluster bombs are, what they're doing, what the history is, even just in a brief segment, which we're going to do today, that maybe we can reach a few more average people that are just about ready to recognize what the core media truly is, what the government truly is, and what they're capable of, and then what the people, who the people, the kind of people that they're funding around the world. So we're going to start with a quick point about censorship, which I just think is really interesting. We're going to talk about, uh, give you some great uh, articles that recently went up so you guys can check them out. But we're going to talk about the cluster bombs, Ukraine a little bit. We're going to do a quick segment on um, health in general. I have a really interesting clip that was originally shared by Dr. Ben Tapper that I think is really important in regard to what, you know, as I coined in the title, the safe and effective lie. It's really an important clip, and it's, I think it's something that we – I'm going to flesh out more. I'm actually – I'm going to dig into this. I'm going to find the original, and we're going to – I plan on doing an entire segment, like literally around just the safe and effective lie 
and what that means. Not just that, that saying that is a lie, but the way that this is used. And we're going to finish with the just the small part. I didn't extend it. Like I said, I was going to. I will. But just the U.N. part that I didn't get to before and how this is, you know, the Great Reset, United Nations, WHO kind of global power grab that we're all seeing. So let's start with something I think is really interesting. Yet again, this happened to me today. This seems to be happening every single day now. It's really interesting, and I'll show you why. I'm not sure what this is. Let's just, you know, it'll always just be one of those glitches that plenty of people are, you know, computer people are, yeah, I was talking to Steve about this today, thinking that, you know, glitches don't exist, right? That's not, that's not even something that's real. There's always something. But what's really interesting is this keeps happening to me. And so just quickly from the podcast, my account's locked on Twitter. I'm able to access it right back. I just have to go through this little hoop that they put, chat what they're calling it, an Arcos challenge. Half the time I hit start and it goes back anyway. So it's not even really a challenge unless that is the Arcos challenge. But what I'm seeing is that this is a, a combination of the rate limit issue that they seem to be dealing with, the, the censorship, the suppression tactics, all this kind of combined in a really alarming kind of suppressive way that's passed off as just a, a security check. Because what I'm noticing is when I have a lot of saved work, a lot of, you know, like I have other windows down there that are just full of tweets that look just like this. And I wanted to show you just one of these. So the problem is, so this would have been a tweet that I had pulled aside for later. And I don't save the links like this. I usually only bookmark all the links after I have a show ready. So I've got windows full of just information, different t- links, different, you know, articles, a lot of tweets, different people send me. And then suddenly the count's locked. And trust me, if they really wanted to, like they're aware of what I have open and so on, right? So I'm like, well, that's frustrating. So maybe I, but then I realize I can't go back. Even if I go through this challenge, it, I lose whatever I had saved. Now, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist. Plenty do. I'm wondering whether this is more about trying to kind of funnel people into certain directions and remove things that are kind of pulled aside. Just a thought, because what I'm noticing is that I can either refresh this you know, actually, hold on. I'm going to grab one more so I can show you two things. Because I have literally a whole window of this over here to the side that you guys can't see that are all like this. So here's the first one. So if I were to, let's say, go back. Nothing. Even though that sometimes that just seemed to work on some of them. I know that's just gone, right? But Or I could try to go through this Archon challenge or whatever. Oh, it still, still goes away. So as far as I can tell, there's no way for me to recoup whatever that was. And I don't remember. I don't remember. So I've lost entire browsers full of things that I had organized already, which is, to say the least, very frustrating. Doesn't stop me. I'm still going to keep doing this. But I just think that's really incredible. And then I found it even more interesting that some of them, some of them, let me just see if one of these will do that. Sam, literally, all of my pages were like this. See, these are the ones that I had there. Some of them did, in fact, go back. No, not that one. I'd hit back and it would go to a certain page. But I noticed it was really categorically specific. This is all my opinion. You know, you can take it for what you will. But some of the certain categories all went away. And some of them happened to go back if I hit back. Anyway, leaving it where, where it is, I don't know what this is. And I don't know why this is happening. But I find it really, really concerning that there's so much of this that's just unexplainable. And a lot of censorship is still happening. Quite frankly, I feel like it's worse than it ever was in a very specific way. That people have become passive about it. That we're not critical like we should be in a lot of certain in you know, certain political categories, like left-right kind of thing, people have gotten comfortable with it again. And I feel like we are being very clearly cultivated, rumble, Twitter, kind of driving in a very, very specific direction in a very 
social engineering way. I just want people to be careful. And I, I know that's probably wasted on my audience. You guys are all very aware of this already and very careful anyway. Hopefully people can see that. I'm just worried about where this is going. Now, uh, that aside, I wanted to shout this out. So if you guys want to support us in this, please check this link out. I'm honored to be involved in this. Uh, this is called the American Liberty Awards. A lot of us, like you know, I think Charlie Robinson, there's a lot of people in here that were nominated for different awards. So as I said, TLAV and then me personally as well have been nominated for the American Liberty Awards for a few different awards. You guys can vote down here with the link. Here's the link if you want. If you think we deserve it, vote for us. I think one of them was the, uh, the something like the best media organization. And then one was about the commentator. So uh, there's one for me specifically and then one for the T-Lab organization. Now, I do know I think Scott's in there for something as well. I know Whitney Webb is in there for something. So get in here and vote, guys. There's a lot of great people in this. And I would love to see T-Lab or Ryan or me specifically win some of these. But really because I'm, it'd be great to win these awards in general, but also because I think it's sort of a, a crowd that might not be happy to see me win these awards, <laughs> just to be honest. So I'd love to see that. Anyway, vote for us. Vote for everybody that we support. And all, you know, vote for who you believe does the best work. Anyway, that'd be, it'd be cool to support us there. And then one last shout out. Scott just put up a new T-Lab Substack wrap-up. If you guys haven't seen this, by the way, this is what we do or try to do. supposed to be every week. We try to get it every week. We're all busy. And this is basically like a weekly wrap-up of what's been going on on TLAV. All, all of my daily wrap-ups, the different articles that have gone out, as well as all of Scott's Rebunked, because as you know, Rebunked is now part of TLAV uh, in general. And uh, you see all of his great interviews as well. And this is just kind of a way, if you want to support us on Substack, it supports all of TLAV, including Rebunked. And, and this will be kind of like a one-stop shop for you to get a weekly update on all the different work. So if you want to do that, we'd love your support on Substack, as well as all the rest of the ways you can support us. I just thought it'd be neat to shout that out for you guys. Now, before we get into it, I wanted you to see the work that we just put out over the last couple of days. You, Derek put out an excellent article that many might not have seen. The topic, U.S. and European Commission are now calling for an international framework. Like, think about this with the ending point, actually. Now, you're actually, I'm just going to put this at the end so we can remember that in regard to the U.N. discussion. But and an international framework to advance geoengineering research? Like, and I love how the, the, the way they frame this is so dangerous because they're, they're making it sound always to the, to the layperson like this is a new venture. If you know it, whether we want to pretend it's all cloud seeding or we still call it chemtrail, the point is stratic, stratospheric aerosol injection. It's been going on for decades. And they are, they've admitted this many times. People don't want to hear it. Tinfoil hat accusations. Now the fake thing that's not happening is becoming international coordinated. And I just think this is really alarming because you have to realize at the core of this right now, the main talking point is quite literally what was like laughed out of town because it's not real 30 seconds ago. That they are actively talking about spraying the skies to dim the sun. Biden just engaged with this and says, yes, this like. That I think the, 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 the title was something like Biden endorses this new – and that scares me because this is a real thing that – I mean, whether this is them believing their own BS or not, doing so, which they've already been doing for whatever reason they're doing it, whether it's to make you sick, whatever you want to talk about, it is something that could catastrophically – this could end life on the planet. Like literally what they're talking about. Let's just say they make a mistake like that's never happened before. Let's say they intend to do this. The point is dimming the sun is absolutely lunatic. This is like, think about it like this. Let's just say the U.S. and this is how the U.S. government tends to view the world, that it's about their kind of their U.S. centric goals, government. 
at, at the expense of literally everybody else because they pretend like everybody else is on board with kind of this mindset, like where we have to take it on the chin for, for you know, take it on the chin for uh, like the talk about Putin kind of conversation, right? Like we have to take it on the chin for the rest of everybody else and, you know, increase your gas prices so we can pay for the war. That's nobody agrees with that in a real sense. Like the idea that what we're talking about is sort of dimming the sun so we have a better, that the humanity can survive. And that's not even real. Like the, the, the conversation is absolutely propaganda at the end of the day. We're obviously destroying this planet in a thousand different ways. But the concept of their climate change narrative and carbon, it's, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get into it today. I've gone through it plenty of times. Henry Corbett and plenty of people, it's, we're being manipulated. But let's just say that's the argument. Let's just say that's even real for sake of conversation. It's not. What's going to happen to the people on the other side of the world that don't care about what you're doing, but just are trying to farm? Or let's just say people in places that have limited sun already, and now you're going to dim it more. Then what happens to them over there? What happens to their crops? The point is you are going to have a byproduct of people who are going to suffer, what, for the benefit of the rest of the people? This collectivism mindset? And then we're just, I guess, assuming that they're correct? Anyway, I'm going to get... This is crazy to me. I want to, I'm going to probably have Derek on. We could talk more about it, but make sure you read this because it's spinning out of control in a thousand different ways while we're pointing at things that are about two-party division divide topics all the time. Also, Robert wrote an excellent article entitled Street Protests in France Do Not Represent an Invasion. It's the other way around. Now, people might read this and think we're assuming somehow that, you know, like, again, two-party illusion mindset. What he's talking about is the fact that predominantly, which many might not have seen, seeing as how over 90% of the people that were arrested in these protests and riots and everything else that was happening were French. And then, of course, then you have all these people going, well, that doesn't mean that they weren't a different, you know, ethnicity. Ah, and we get to the crux of the point. So it's not really about immigration. It's that these people are bad because they're different. And see, this is the biggest problem here. We can obviously talk about the bigger conversation that is real, the conversation of globalization and the conversation of open societies and what that is doing. It's not something we should dismiss. But what's happening on this left-right paradigm game here is it is using topics like this literally without evidence half the time. The problem is that these people are specifically the kid that was shot, multi-generational families, been in France for years or for generations, I mean. And yet this got framed as an immigrant concept. Now, yes, there is something to be discussed there. We could talk about what just happened to Denmark, but not today. There's, there is an interesting conversation there that is valid. But the problem is, is that if this is mostly French people, even the government was framing this as something in that regard. So they're buying their own BS. But what he means by this is the Algerian population, which was a huge pro proportion of what this was because the kid was Algerian. There's a whole conversation, you can read the article, about how this was something that was, a lot of these people were literally forced into the country. And then there was, you know, again, there's a whole conversation to be had. It's not the way that it's being framed. And, I, I, and it's hard to see how this two-party paradigm will stop people from recognizing that, you know, there's just, these, there are obvious agendas that are government manipulation, partisan agendas on the ground, individuals out there just wanting to cause violence, people that just don't care. But at the crux of it, there are real people out there that really care about what's going on, whether or not they're being lied to. So to broad stroke all of this is just as stupid as any other conversation. There's so much about this that frustrates me. Now, we also, I also just had a great interview with Freddie Ponton today, or yeah, I filmed it the day before yesterday, put it up today. What is really happening in France? And he, this is somebody you should listen to, guys. He has an excellent perspective on this, and he sees all the moving parts. The NATO aspect of this, the BRICS China aspect with Macron, the history behind it all, the idea that there is absolutely, without question, agent provocateurs causing this. Robert 
exposed this in his coverage from the previous time he was going, covering this in regard to the yellow vest and, and as well as today. And then also the immigration part of this. It's all playing factors. But the right wants you to wake it, see, see it only a very certain way. The left wants you to ignore it all. You know, the way this goes is frustrating. Now, on top of that, I wanted to point out a great article from Stormclouds Gathering that came out in 2019. Robert discusses his time looking at the Yellow Vest protests and how this is con there's a connection here in an interesting way. I just wanted to shout this out to think about, one, how, you know, T-Lab is we're always covering this and it seems that we're always, you know, ahead of these for a lot of for a, in a lot of ways. But he pointed out that the Yellow Vest protests were a canary in the coal mine. That this this is so these connect guys there's already been something brewing and building and so it's not just as simple as the way a lot of the two-party paradigm both sides of the narrative want you to think it right think that it is this is an important article to read you check it out for yourself now also if you haven't seen the last shows we've been doing we've really been cranking some out over the last week we went over a lot of different stuff so make sure you check out these we're going to be updating the page very soon to basically be broken down by name which is kind of is now Whitney, like it'll be Ryan, Whitney, Derek, Robert, Taylor kind of a thing. So there'll be a little bit of a shift coming soon. But either way, make sure you check out the different shows we've been doing. We've been really kind of focusing on a lot. Now, two quick points on what we have been focusing on a lot lately. And I'm not going to play the videos. I just want to throw them out there because it seems to be something people are so hell-bent on pretending isn't happening. Here's another example of a teen. There's, there's links to the story below. Teen was brainwashed by gender ideology on TikTok, became trans at 13 after TikTok trends convinced her she was a boy. At 16, she began taking testosterone despite being a girly girl. Here's your picture here. Here's what she ended up looking like. And her whole life and only believing she was trans after developing an addiction to TikTok. Well, that's at least how he's framing it on this channel. But, quote, being transgender is definitely a TikTok trend that all began around 2020. This is the quote from the, her work. I noticed that the, dem the demographic is, it most affects is teen girls around 12 to 14 as they're the most vulnerable since they aren't matured yet. She has now de-transitioned back to being a girl, and she has lost a lot of friends after detransitioning and speaking about the harmful effects. Now ask yourself this. Why would she lose friends? Isn't the whole point about it supporting whatever somebody wants to be? I thought the whole point was you are. So if she decides that she is now a woman again, aren't you supposed to support that? Ah, and here the crux of the issue is that's not what's happening. Almost everybody that decides to go back to the direction is seen as a traitor or something like that. And we've been, we've been showing you this. And I'm not talking about trans people in general. I'm talking about this movement that seems to be quite dangerous because things like this are happening to children who don't realize what's happening to them. Here's another example. I think I regret medically transitioning. I started when I was 14 in 2015. Then I got a double mastectomy when I was 16. I was never diagnosed with autism, but I'm fairly certain I'm autistic. What I've done to my appearance and my body has almost been a survival tactic. I form a protection on, against unwanted attention from men. Like, so we have people that are struggling. Does that mean everybody going through this is in this position? No, I don't know that. But the reality is that we've proven a lot of these kids, even from the whistleblower who spoke out about how their hospital was funneling people from the psychiatric unit in to get transition surgeries, telling them this, is, this will solve your problems. It's from the, the horse's mouth. And we have the president of the largest transgender group, WPATH, openly saying that they're being sloppy with kids' treatments. People resigning in protest from the board because they're not giving counseling and just going right to treatment. We hear this. It's important to me that this is exposed for what it is. 
every a, a human, an adult human being has every right to do what they want with their own body. The fact that this is crossing lines with children and we're pretending there isn't any problems or the conversation of the breastfeeding, even getting into the adult conversation still then translates to hurting a child because you are doing something that is dangerous. According to the scientific literature here, guys, and this is what is so alarming to me about this. Dang it. I don't know why it's giving me the edit version. I was going to bring up this article for you guys to see. I'll just hit the, the link and then we'll get into the cluster bomb point. Ah, damn it. <laughs> why it's not giving me the article. It's frustrating. Well, here, it'll have it right here. There we go. So we just went over this, the last show, I believe, or one of the last shows. And, you know, people will try to frame this as being like anti-trans or transphobic. It's nothing to do with that. Like, I've been so over the top pointing out, especially my opinions from the very beginning. It's always been erring on the side of personal freedom. Always. They all have our own opinions. But the point is that this, according to the science, according to the experts, is dangerous. We pointed out the actual chemical that they're using. And the FDA themselves say on the record, not can, not maybe, does translate through the breast milk. And that can cause all sorts of things. Heart attacks, sudden death. We're talking about, and that's been a, that's been a grown adult. It's just, these things are important, guys. I just don't want this to get kicked aside. So make sure we're paying attention. Does this person not matter, right? Does this kid's life not matter or her opinion that, they're, that they realize they were wrong and suddenly, you know, it's, it's like the vaccine thing. It's like people can go out, they're getting right along with the plan. I got my booster. I got the next one. Oh, suddenly I realized, wait a minute, I'm not feeling good. These things don't work. You're an anti-vaxxer. You're a dangerous conspiracy theory. Wait a minute. This person got four in their arm. How does that make sense? The point is that the, these kind of radicalized communities and the propaganda around it refuse to accept that people can simply have different opinions. It's alarming. And that's crazy enough how they want to frame people like us, right? The irritating objective kind of, and yet we're the one, you know, this is, this is, it's accuse them of that, which you are guilty. That's how this works. Now, on that note, <laughs> it's a perfect transition into the absurd reality that we are literally watching the U.S. government yet again do exactly what they accuse everybody else of doing as a problem, right? Cluster bombs are absolutely a war crime until we want to use them because Ukraine's out of ammunition. Well, we being the U.S. government in this case, but it's embarrassingly stupid that this is how, but guess what, guys? This is not new at all. This is probably the least new thing I've ever seen. Every single, every, I mean, we'll, let's just show you some of these discussions. We're going to go through this. U.S. cluster bombs for Ukraine would exceed limo, legal limit on duds. Like, what a ridiculous way to frame that. How about you just put, they're going to send them illegal munitions that we all realize are illegal that everybody has said was a war crime. That would be an honest title. This is a way to kind of mince the words about, well, what's actually the problem here? Right. Even these corporate articles are trying to play the game. Well, it's illegal because what they end up leaving possible munitions that don't explode and then the kids will walk over them later. Well, yeah, that is part of it. But how about the fact that they indiscriminately spread these munitions that can't be precision? Then people die because you don't know where you're aiming and they fall over a large area. That, that's actually why they use them, because they're very dangerous and they hurt a lot of people. And that's the point. You can't make an argument for why this makes sense, let alone giving it to one of the most obvious extreme fascist entities on the planet right now, who has openly said they want to exterminate the people in Donbass, as I played in the beginning. But you see, your government knows all of this, guys. That's the problem. But we should point something else out, as we've been covering, as we've been pointing out. If you continue to go through the T-Lab 
archives. We've been covering all this extensively for a long time now. Here's from April 26, 2022. Biden declares emergency to send Ukraine non-standard ammo. (laughs) Yeah, that connects, guys. You see the game that's played? It's like every other fake emergency. The idea is, well, let's declare it. What do you mean declare an emergency? Since when does that? This is a war that they pretend they're not involved in, even though we all know what's going on. And he has to declare an emergency. You know why? Well, then you can circumvent the law. Or rather give the, the illusion that you care about the law. But it's an emergency, though, Ryan. You need to send them war crime, com, put, out, illegal munitions. <laughs> because emergency? Well, it's the same thing we see everywhere else. Why are you doing the thing no one else can do? Justification. Narrative. Well, that doesn't mean you can break the law. Yeah, well, we just, well, fight for freedom. Safe and effective. Benefits that way, the risk, whatever, whatever narrative, they just keep saying the same things. It doesn't change anything. You're still breaking the law. Now, guess what? April 19th, 2022, we've already seen Ukraine using cluster bombs that were given by the United States or Western powers. It's not, it's, it's not, it's impossible to deny. The point is that we just, they just media, corporate media ignores it, pretends it's not happening. And then it's not happening because they didn't talk about it at least in some people's minds, but this is happening and this is not new. Now, here's the craziest part that, you know, the corporate media seems to be completely missing. Yeah, because they didn't even look or don't care to point it out. But this is not new even for Ukraine. Here is from 2014. Widespread use of cluster munitions. Ukraine's government forces use cluster munitions in populated areas in Donetsk. So this is, and do you realize this is the same people or the, the groups we're talking about. Now, yes, much has changed since 2014, but we're talking about because the whole point is to remember that this goes back a lot longer than before, before, before 2014. The CIA has been building this since long before. We, I mean, as I said in this article, not just Azov, these documents prove Project Aerodynamic. The CIA has been building, cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948 by Colonel Abed who's the person they used to set up a media company called Prologue in the U.S. and in Ukraine, is a Nazi war criminal, was. He part of the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, head by Bandera, and now it's, they, they, that's exactly the same people and groups and ideology. It's the same thing. This is the same thing. So they were armed by the U.S., and they killed a bunch of people in Donetsk. According to Human Rights Watch. Now, yes, you'll find discussions from Human Rights Watch about Russia using them. The only difference is when you actually read the article, it's simply relayed information coming from Ukraine's on the Ukrainian governments on the ground. Now, sure, I'm not saying it's not. I, I think all these governments would absolutely, without question, use these and not blink an eye. But the fact that it's coming from people that have been caught lying about 50,000 times just since yesterday, probably not going to take it at face value. The difference here is that this is absolutely real. And we can prove this with video documentation, reporters on the ground. They have done this. Cluster munitions in populated areas, war crimes. But that doesn't matter, though. Think think about how, how this think about having this on the record that you can have accusations and actual verification that they used cluster munitions to kill civilians. In the very area that they're currently at war with, and then the U.S. government gives them more. Now, all the rest of the all the rest is narrative. That's what's happening. Doesn't that just make your skin crawl? Because that's what's going on, and they know this. Well, also, let's not forget, as Global Research wrote in 2018, banned weapons used in all U.S. war theaters in all post 9/11 wars. U.S. used banned chemical, biological, radiological, incendiary, and cluster munitions. 
It's all sourced. Look at it for yourself. The point is, this is not new. It's just the narrative that changes the way people see this. Here's an example. Will U.S. keep, excuse me, U.S. will keep older cluster munitions, a weapon banned by 102 nations, 2017. Huh. You know, back when the corporate media at least cared to point these things out. The point is, guys, you're literally saying we're just not going to care about what everyone, this is like ignoring internet U.N. resolutions. Not, not to say, I mean, there's no conversation to be had about whether that's even there's UN or things that should even be have a place today. But the point is that they force those things on other people and then ignore them when it comes to them. International law, UN resolutions, PACs, agreements, you name it. So the point is, this is bad. If this was Iran, Russia, or anybody, and they have, and they do. In fact, they don't even need stuff like this. They just pretend it's happening. They just make things up and lie about what they're doing as they blatantly do exactly what they would freak out about if any one of their bad guy enemies were doing it. That's just blatant hypocrisy. There's no narrative about that that makes makes it make sense. Now, here it gets even more ridiculous when you realize that they have absolutely been calling this out, just like I'm saying, in other people, not different you know, there's not a nuance here. It's not, well, if they use them this way, they're just, they, when they talk about it, they go, yes, if they used them, that's a war crime. Media Lens points out, remember all the U.S. outrage about claims that serious government forces had dropped barrel bombs? U.S. plans to send controversial munitions? Like, the point is, every field of war, you could point this out. More than once, in fact, they were blaming serious government for using all sorts of illegal munitions, let alone the lies about the chemical attacks that have been so thoroughly broken down and shown to be lies, but yet they still say it. <laughs> I don't know why anybody trusts anything that people say, but here's the scariest part. This absolute sociopath yet again steps in. Lindsey Graham says, I support and appreciate Biden's administration sending illegal cluster munitions that this very entity has used on civilians before. Well, that's me. That was me paraphrasing him saying, I support this. We must provide the Ukrainians the tools they need to evict the Russian invaders. My God, this guy wants World War III. He also says, I will be working with Republicans and Democrats in the Senate to pass a resolution urging the admission of Ukraine into NATO. You know that complete fake news story that we were crazy for saying might happen 10 seconds ago? Yeah. Now he's telling you you're dumb for thinking it shouldn't happen. That's always how it goes. The best way to prevent future wars and promote peace is to create security security guarantees. Sorry, I can't even read that out loud without laughing. The best way to prevent wars and peace is to make the biggest army on the planet that obviously continues to make war, right? NATO is, I mean, actually, let me play this. See if I still have this right here. Sort of a relevant video to this right here. If I still have it, now it doesn't look like I do. Well, I had this video of the guy speaking about Afghanistan and NATO. And I just thought it was kind of a relevant video that really did make sense about, you know, the bottom line is NATO guys, this is a, this is a, it's a war footing. It's all it's about. It's all about, it's a article five, the discussion of nine 11. That, that's what they're all trying to do here. They're trying to create a situation where they can faint, they can create the circumstances where it looks like Ukraine was attacked and then argue that everybody in NATO has to step in. Then it becomes a world war. I mean, I don't know why that's not scary for people. That's this is I, I'm the one that's always trying not to be hyperbolic about this, trying to avoid the fear mongering statements. But this is very clear. It takes one mistake here. One Zelensky feeling like he's not getting what he deserves. One Azov movement feeling like Zelensky doesn't care. And suddenly they people like Graham have already set the table. They have to follow along. The way to prevent future wars and promote peace is to create security guarantees that make aggressor nations think twice. Well, you know how historically that's the biggest lie of all time. That has never happened. 
There's ne- every single time what this does, it causes them to act, which they know. These security guarantees are broken by the U.S. government more than literally anybody on the planet. But the point is they do this and then they do things like violating those deals, crossing red lines, you know, ignoring the agreements of the past. And then when Russia acts because they broke the oh, that is, look what they did. This is the most dishonest setting I've ever seen. Ukrainian NATO membership is vital to the future security of Europe. Really? Open fascist neo-Nazis and Nazis is being are literally leading an effort to destroy the Russian-speaking people in this country. They're openly telling us that, and you want to make them part of NATO, and that's vital to the future of, of Europe. The very same Europe that they tell everybody, if you listen, they're going to move into next once this is over. Now, what's crazy is that they say that about Russia. Russia is going to invade everywhere else once this, if we let them take Ukraine. There is not a single example of them even insinuating that's happening. Sure, it might be happening. might be what they think as they sleep at night. But let's pretend like these people know that somehow. They don't. And it's not even based, based on their actions, it's actually clear it's not what they want to do. But the point is that these groups on the ground have continued to say, I mean, we, we, we point at C-19, I think was the group, and the ref, like, openly speaking to the media, saying what they're telling you is wrong. You can look at the origins of the Bandera, Banderites and the organization, organization for Ukrainian Nationals, which is the core of all this. And they'll tell you, even the Azov movement will blatantly tell you their goal is to spread the white race around the world. That, and, and their next step is Europe. And it blows me away. That the people that think they're supporting or think they're fighting fascism are funding and supporting the worst threat there is in that regard right now. It's incredible. Now, here he reports to Reuters and it says NATO makes membership pledge to Ukraine as Zelensky drums up support. <laughs> My God. Anyway, the point, though, is that, guys, this, this is so incredibly dangerous. This is going to lead to war because Ukraine and these and these dangerous people are going to push the hand. And don't forget, we just heard Graham and Blumenthal the senators saying that if something happens, then we are going that we'll consider that an act of war. So what does that do? Just like with Syria, it's going Azov movement. Make it happen. You make it look like it's them and we won't even question it. I don't know why we don't see how alarming this is or some people don't. Here's here's Biden, probably not, not even aware of what we're talking about. Here's what he said as somebody asked him, why send them now? Run out of ammunition. Oops. Yeah, right. They run out of ammunition. They don't. They ran out of cluster bombs. We need to send them more cluster bombs. Got it. Thanks, Biden. <laughs> what, what, a, what an absolute clown. So here is the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, confirming, just in case those were people were still wondering if that was real. Because, you know, it's funny about this. If there wasn't this open confirmation, there would be a level of people on probably both sides arguing that this was not real. Until they see it, then they argue why we need them. You see my point? It's always how this goes. Fake news. Oh, but don't you know they need them because Russia's using them too. <laughs> okay, so it's okay if we do commit war crimes because they arguably commit war crimes. But can you prove that? No, but, you know, it's, it's just so sad. Here's what he said. First, we base our security assistance decision on Ukraine's needs on the ground. And Ukraine needs artillery to sustain its offensive and defensive operations. Right. It needs to commit war crimes, right? We need to give them the ability to commit more war crimes. They can't do that without war crime materials. Like, I mean, just right out of the gate. Like, what are you talking about? Why would that make sense? Why is this needed? Why can't you give them far more 
effective weapons for what you're talking about because these things aren't necessarily effective in the kind of warfare they're discussing these are effective for mass wide-scale harm right for broad stroke explosions that just indiscriminately explode you know think of it like this like the image that we showed on the image for the show today right it's it's a gigantic bomb full of grenades right they just spread this stuff out over a gigantic area and then yeah sometimes they land and don't explode and then 20 years later a child steps on one which is happening still in places like syria and afghanistan right and this is because of the u.s government it's just crazy that he can even make that argument artillery is at the core of this conflict Ukraine is firing thousands of rounds a day to defend against Russian efforts to advance and also to support its own efforts to retake its sovereign territory. We have provided Ukraine with a historic amount of unitary artillery rounds. Just for the record, part of what he's talking about is the, Don- the Donbass area. That is not, I mean, whether Crimea or Donbass, like this just shows you how easy it is to show the dishonesty of the, of the government we're talking about here or many of the Western governments. The idea that this was a referendum that was internationally observed. There was all sorts of international observers that made very clearly. It's just like Crimea. They can say whatever they want, but there's more than enough evidence to suggest that they voted. In you, I mean, like here's the craziest part. They there's articles showing in the corporate media, just like we showed you that like. Why would they want to stay there and be part of Ukraine if they were bombing them with cluster munitions, which we just saw on the Human Rights Watch? Right. There's enough evidence. There's a mountain of evidence before before the invasion where they'll point out that the Ukrainians were killing people in Donbass. And then they shifted without question on a dime into Donbass wants to be part of Ukraine and Russia is trying to take them. It's like, what are you talking about? You just spent years exposing that they were murdering these people, which they did. The clip I opened with a journalist saying we need to exterminate all these people. Like, this is child's play, man. It's so clear what's going on. The people of Donbass didn't want to be killed so they be, and, and rule under the thumb, live under the thumb of Nazis, so they went over to be part of Russia, just like with Crimea. They voted unan- almost near unanimously, like 90-something percent, to be, part of the, uh, to be part of where they spoke Russian because they're mostly Russian-speaking. It just doesn't, it makes more sense than anything else. And yet what he's talking about is they're fighting for their sovereign territory. So they want to win back the area that doesn't want to be part of that. What is that called? That's called illegal occupation. That's called conquest. That's what they want to frame Russia as doing. And maybe they will after this. But at the moment, they're defending people that need to be defended. Of course, that's going to be framed as pro-Russia. It's just pro-fact. I don't support any of these governments. And of course, if this became something different and Russia just started marching around the world and toppling countries, well, you know what I would say. The same thing I'm saying about the U.S. government doing that. And we are ramping up domestic production of these rounds. We've already seen substantial increases in production, but this process will continue to take time. And it will be critical to provide Ukraine with a bridge of supplies while our domestic production is ramped up. We will not leave Ukraine defenseless at any point in this conflict, period. Yeah, no matter what you want, guys, you get that? Just like they keep telling us, the Italian says that, all these leaders and representatives, we'll do it no matter what. So whether we vote for it or not, whether every single American decides we don't want this, they're going to do it anyway. Don't miss the point. Second, Russia has been using cluster munitions since the start of this war to attack Ukraine. Which has not been proven. I can, you can look at all day long. Every single example comes from Ukrainian representatives on the ground claiming that's the case. Now, again, I'm not saying that they wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But that's not the same as evidence. That is an allegation from a group that's continually lied. That's important. 
Russia has been using cluster munitions with high dud or failure rates of between 30 and 40 percent. How would they even know that? Like, really take a second to think about that. So that means they somehow know that 30 percent of the I'm just saying grenades, I don't know if that's the right term for it, but, you know, the explosives inside the cluster munition, that they somehow know that 30 percent of them didn't explode. Like, really take a minute and think about that. How could they possibly know that? Are you telling me that somebody is walking around and counting? And if they are, how do you know that they're all from the same one in an area that was just bombed? Like, this is just basic stuff. There is no way they could know that. This is Ukrainians telling them that, or rather the Ukrainian government, whatever that really is, telling them that. It's as simple as that. It certainly could be. But that's an easy way to make it sound like, well, they're doing it and they're all left over. And really, the point is, it's not even about the leftover part. That's part of it. The large part of it is that it's an indiscriminate weapon that's really damaging in a way that's like not even as like if you if you a, a precision missile or a bomb that blows up in a very specific area is far more efficient in what you're talking about in every other sense of war. This is about punishment. That's what these things are. That's why these things become illegal. Same thing with chemical or with, you know, chemical weapons. Jo- Caitlin Johnstone used to make this point all the time. It, a, re- a general bomb is far more effective even for killing people, like on a mass scale, right? Like the point is you could explode a lot larger group of people in one area than if you used a chemical weapon that just caused a lot of sickness and illness in people. The point is that most cases, unless we're talking about some gigantic, you know, sarin type thing, but the point is that in most cases, those things are less effective at generally killing more people. It's about being What's the right word for it? Like, it's, it's about punishment, having the most kind, the most harm and pain. And that's why governments get together and go, well, let's outlaw these. And they do, except every single time the U.S. government keeps using them. Chemical weapons, biological weapons, it's provable. They just lie about it. In this environment, Ukraine has been requesting cluster munitions in order to defend its <laughs> own sovereign territory. OK, now explain that. What do you think cluster munitions will do in defense? They're not as effective as literally every other defense weapon that they have. That's not a defense weapon. Even if you're talking, so what, are they going to fire cluster bombs at their, fi- at their cluster bombs? It doesn't make sense, guys. I don't know why they think they can get away with this. Like, I'm actually going to, anybody, if somebody out there is a munitions expert, I know I'm going to try to find some that I already know. Like, I bet you Scott Ritter would probably know about this. I'm going to find somebody out there that's aware of the real inner ins and outs of all this. And I want them to make this clear. This is stupid. This is about giving them weapons because they're clearly asking for them. Give us the ones where we can cause more harm and hurt more civilians like we already have. The cluster munitions that we would provide have dud rates far below what Russia is doing, is, is providing, not high. Our, our war crimes are, are just less severe. So is that OK? Than 2.5%. And third, we are closely coordinating with Ukraine as it has requested these munitions. Ukraine is committed to post-conflict demining efforts to mitigate any potential harm to civilians. And this will be necessary regardless of whether the United States provides these munitions or not because of Russia's widespread use of cluster munitions. Right. So it's the same old thing they do where, you know, we're the good guy being forced to do bad things because the bad guy's doing bad things. Right. Welcome to kindergarten. Well, doesn't that mean that you're then doing the same bad thing? No, you didn't listen, Ryan. The bad guy's doing bad things, so we have to do the bad things. Otherwise, we're going to, okay, so you're doing a bad thing. No, you're breaking the law, man. It doesn't matter the kind of fluffy narrative you spit out. Nobody's buying this anymore. I, I, I really believe that. I think people are completely, be, are quickly stealing themselves against the kind of BS that we've always heard.
This is really childish. We will have to continue to assist Ukraine with demining efforts no matter what, given uh, the significant use of cluster munitions already perpetrated by Russia. Right, so there's another way to argue we're going to be there for the next 20 years, you know, because they're things we have to remove. So the bottom line is this. We recognize that cluster munitions create a risk of civilian harm from unexploded ordnance. This is why we've the defer, deferred the decision for as long as we could. And there's just one of the lies I was pointing out. That's, that's, he, that's uh, playing on the ignorance of the average person. Like, that's the only reason they're dangerous. That's not. That's actually the secondary, the, the most important, is because it's indiscriminate. Now, yes, if you're in an area that's only war field or warfare, that's one thing. But we already know, as we can prove relentlessly right now, I just showed you a clip in the last show. They are currently bombing Donbass. They have been. They haven't stopped. As the guy said, it's a near almost every so many hours. There's literally bombs going off in the downtown area. They are. It's active. You can prove it. And they're giving it to them right now. How much you want to bet we will see within, within hours of this, one of these exploding in the Donbass area. They, Eva Bartlett and Patrick, Patrick, Wyatt Reed were in one of the hotels, and they, when they bombed that, it, it was only civilian. They can prove it. They've got video. But apparently they're all Russian shills, so nobody cares about the in, undeniable evidence. It's depressing, isn't it? It's very clear. Just mark my words, guys. There is going to be civilian casualties because they're putting it in their hands. And then they're going to blame Russia with no evidence. But there is also a massive risk of civilian harm if Russian troops and tanks roll over Ukrainian positions and take more Ukrainian territory and subjugate more Ukrainian civilians. Ah, I get it. So because if we do, if we don't give them the war crime ammunitions, that Russia might win and then that will be more killing. So we have to give them, our hands are tied, guys. We have to use war criminal activity. Ah, I get it. So it's sort of like the ESG game where it's like, well, I know we're telling you you can't use gas and stuff, but we're going to pretend that gas and weapons and nuclear bombs are green because we use them to fight for freedom, which allows us to then spread more ESG. That's not a joke. That is what the UK and the US both argue right now that we can still use these things and that they are ESG compliant because we use them to fight for freedom. This is childish. This is what it looks like to be losing control of your information. Right. So we have to do this, even though it's illegal, because if we don't, Russia could then do bad things. Then like, what are they? I almost cussed. What are they, psychic? They, are they, they know that's going to happen. The point is that's because they frame it as Russia's evil and crazy and dangerous and Nazis and just like right out of some cartoon. Like, like, I mean, in the sense where it's just so hyperbolic, just every possible thing. Conspiracy, the white supremacists, white shooters, everything they can say with nothing to back it up. Russia bad guy. Right back to the most juvenile part. Because Ukraine does not have enough artillery. That is intolerable to us. Right, so give them artillery. Normal artillery. Load them up to the teeth, which I don't want. I'm just saying it's the illogical argument that we are we're short on artillery, so we're going to give them war crimes. Ukraine would not be using these munitions in some foreign land. <laughs> this is their country they're defending. God. These are their citizens they're protecting. And now, mark my words, it's going to be in Donbass, which is not their territory and the people don't want to be part of them. They are motivated to use any weapon system they have in a way that minimizes risks to those citizens. So with that... Uh, right, because we can tell the Nazis don't want to hurt people, clearly based on what they're saying, right? Sad. It's sad how stupid this is. BBC puts out... Th this is another person from, from the Pentagon. They will not use rounds in civilian areas. Oh, you know that, do you? Despite how clearly they've continued to do so? Or despite the fact that they literally have already done that? 
But but you said so. We trust you, right? With Ukraine to minimize the risks associated with the decision. The Ukrainian government has offered us assurances in writing on the responsible use of DPICMs, <laughs> including that they will not use the rounds in civilian populated urban environments. Why would you need them to get the why would you have to write that down? Isn't that a little concerning? <laughs> give me give me a written promise that you won't do what you've already done. I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, wouldn't you just be, aren't you guys all good guys fighting for freedom? Wouldn't you just know that you wouldn't hurt civilians? No, we have to make sure they write it down because they're Nazis. <laughs> and that they will record where they use these rounds, which will simplify later demining efforts. Right, because it's not possible to just not do that or turn it off. Because it's just so silly. Like, the whole, all of it sets on the premise that we know that these are good, honest people, so we'll, you know, we'll trust them. Which isn't true. Ukraine also has committed to post-conflict demining efforts to mitigate any potential harm to civilians. The United States has already invested more than $95 million in Ukraine's demining activities, and we will provide more support to help Ukraine mitigate the impacts of cluster munition use by both sides in this conflict. Yeah, and you know it would make that easier? Not using them on your side. But, you know... Russia. So we got to do them like, you know, this this is the this is as illogical as saying that they're about to use nuclear weapons. So we're going to give them nuclear weapons like that's the kind of same thing that's happening. That just has a much more severe understanding. It's just ridiculous. Well, here, as Jack Masovic points out, is Jen Psaki saying in 2022 that cluster bombs are a war crime, you know, but things are different now, though, Ryan, you don't understand. Reports of illegal cluster bombs and vacuum bombs being used by the Russians. Uh, if that's true, what is the next step of this administration? And is there a red line for how much violence uh, will be tolerated against civilians in this manner that's illegal and potentially a war crime? Okay, so it's not up for debate. Okay, these are illegal. We all know it, and they knew it there. But it wasn't like the potentially illegal, it was the illegal cluster munitions. Period. And here's what she says. It is. It would be. I don't have any confirmation of ah, that. We have seen be. the reports. Uh, if if that were true, it would potentially be a war crime. Yeah, Obviously, there are a range of international fora that would assess that. Um, so certainly we would look to that to be a part of that conversation. Now, just to be clear, the only reason she says potentially be a war crime is because the idea is that they would be potentially used. The idea you can you could look at their track record of talking about Syria or anybody else. It's not like they may be. If they use them wrong, it is that if they use them, that's a war crime. And that's what you'll find in the conversation going back as far as you want to look from all the organizations that pull this stuff out. Now, suddenly it just doesn't matter because, you know, Russia's bad, right? It's like everything else. They just pretend that, oh, well, Russia is doing something. So, you know, you guys, your gas prices have to go up. It's it's really does show you, in my opinion, how 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 lost they are in how much, how little they, how much they're losing control of the narrative. That people like you, people like us, even the average people are suddenly like, you know, it's it's like Corbett's pointed out in the past the Milgram experiment. Simple ideas that in, at one person alone tends to to not push back, but when other other people around them, like that he used the TSA as the example, right? So you suddenly stand up and go, I'm not going to be submitted to this. I say no, and then somebody behind you will be like, oh, am I allowed to say no? It's like so a, lot, a lot of people, people have been trained and engineered to be followers. And if you show them that there's another chance, you can say no, right? You can stand up and say, you're lying. Somebody needs that in these press rooms, right? That's why they don't allow them in there. And then suddenly people start going, oh, okay, I, I, can, I didn't know I could do that, right? That's people need that. Well, here is an example going back to 2000, where was the date on this again? 2014. 
Why cluster bombs are so deadly for civilian populations. Uh, Ukrainian government forces used cluster munitions in the city of Donetsk early in October. That we report may constitute a war crime. See, again, may. Like, it's not a question. You use them in civilian areas. At anything in a civilian area is a war crime. But it's just, this is not a secret. U.S. use of, nuclear, of cluster bombs in Yemen may be a war crime. And you know who's using those? Saudi Arabia, the United States, right? We have the UAE overlap as well. We've talked about the UAE torture prisons in Yemen that the U.S. government was photographing involved in. You know, these are criminals, guys. They just don't care. They lie to you as a matter of policy. Well, we also have a couple of other foreign, foreign policy points that I wanted to include, just showing you the dishonesty and the illegal rampant lawlessness of these governments. This is BBC. Russian jets harassing U.S. drones over Syria. Huh, okay. Well, the U.S. government is not allowed to be in Syrian airspace, right? And Russia is. So (laughs) it's just kindergarten level, guys. How exactly can a group allowed to be in the airspace harass another group that's not allowed? Well, because Syria, bad guy. Make sense? That's where we are. Biden says U.S. has destroyed last chemical weapons stockpile. Wait a minute. July 7th? Hold on. Weren't we just told they did that years ago? Ah, well, now they did for sure, because Biden said. I'm sure we'll get an announcement five years from now. We just finally destroyed our chemical stock. (laughs) Jeez, this is supposed to have been done a long time ago, guys. I don't even know why he felt the need to speak up about this, probably to distract from the cluster munitions. This was yesterday. I don't know. The U.S. has destroyed the last of its declared chemical weapons stockpile. No, they haven't. That is an aggressive lie, and you could prove it. But it's just, and we've done other focuses on this before. Maybe I'll do one going forward. This is meant to be sort of a quicker show today, but my God. I mean, it's just silly. First of all, let's just say, you, let's say you think I'm wrong. I don't know why we would take it face value that they would say this. Why would they even announce this? Because they're trying to make it look like we're going in the right direction. We're getting rid of bad things as Russia's getting worse. It's, they really do see you like you're a child. Zero Hedge points something else out that I thought was ridiculous and alarming. The DOD has invoked the Defense Production Act. Weird. You know, just like Trump did during COVID. And now they're doing it with a different amendment. Oh, for a different reason, though, Ryan. To boost metals mining after China exports controls. Export controls, right? Because they get like 90-something percent of their rare earth minerals from China, which is crazy unless you realize there's more coordination than you understand. And that is about, you know, electronics and predominantly military. And so what do they do? Well, Defense Production Act which is basically martial law for production. So isn't it strange that these things just keep being used? Different reasoning, though, but is that really what... It's all narrative. It's all narrative. Bottom line is, the whole thing keeps going. Now we're going to get a lockdown for climate, whatever. Hey, same stuff. You remove the narrative? What? It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Trump, Biden, you know, all the same lie. Another couple last two points on Russia. Lukashenko says Wagner chief Prigozhin is now in Russia. Very interesting. Actually, you might as well just use this one. Antiwar.com, I much prefer. Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko said Thursday that Wagner chief Prigozhin is now in Russia, raising questions about the deal between Moscow and the mercenary leader has ended a short-lived mutiny. Now, of course, if you remember the story, all of the Western media and the government, this was the civil war of Russia, which was, you know, planned. I don't know how you can't see that. Making a Wikipedia page. Civil War of 2023 literally ended before they even finished typing that page out. And it's very clear that Prigozhin, this is my opinion, played the Western intelligence. Just like we saw in Venezuela and other examples. 
where they clearly thought they had it a lock, and then suddenly those people were not even ever on their side, and they were playing. The point is that he was supposed to be in exile in, in Belarus, remember? That was the whole point. And apparently they're like, he's not even here. He's As for Prigozhin, he's in St. Petersburg. Maybe he went to Moscow, but he's, and the point is, he goes, they're saying he's not even being tracked. The reports are that he's, you know, was supposed to be tracked and so on. As they say, no, we're not tracking him. Whereabouts, no possibilities nor desire to do so, says the Kremlin. Well, why would that happen? If this guy was actually about to it, 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 cause an insurrection, they would be tracking him. And they, okay, they, they could be lying about that. But let's read the reality of what the evidence shows us. If looking at all the evidence, it's clear to me that the whole game was about making the West think he was going to do that. And then we found out, I think it, the reports were that I haven't confirmed that somebody else got arrested afterward. It seems to make sense that somebody in this organization was contacted, was compromised. Pergosian got wind of this, it would, I would argue, and they planned this. They executed it, making the West think that they were about to get what they wanted, and then it blew up in their face. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is this aligns exactly with what we keep telling you about the Azov movement overlap, the creation of this to blame on Russia. The same point was, it was the same point. It was about creating this internal divide, this, this kind of insurrection concept. So I think this is the same thing, and I think they keep failing. But what it shows you is that it wasn't at all what they said. At the very least, it shows you how childishly ridiculous the corporate media is, are, how they continue to just toe the line. It's really bad. They know that, though. That's the craziest thing. They, they see it like anybody. That's why they're shuffling everything up. And one last point that I thought was include, important to include, just because I was going through these articles and I saw this, an old article from Whitney Webb in 2017. Nine targets of U.S. regime change. And again, this is 2017. It's probably even more clear today. Nine targets of U.S. regime change at that time topped the list of the least peaceful nations. How many times do I keep saying this? I don't care whether you think the U.S. government is actually fighting for freedom or not. Either way, they clearly aren't good at it, even if they're being honest. So why would we let a group that keeps fighting for freedom and then tripping over and causing destruction? Why would we let them keep doing that over and over and over and over? Ukraine's the next, clearly. There's more on the table, right? Every single one of these places. Let's just take the easy examples. Libya, Syria, which they didn't technically officially take over, but Afghanistan, Iraq. I mean, look at these places, guys. They are a shell of what they once were, and that's supposed to be a win? That's supposed to be fighting for freedom? Did you liberate these people? Libya got turned into an open slave market with the very people that you said you were fighting for. Moments after this was over, and they they still haven't recovered. They're still in tribes and, and, and warlords fighting, and that, that's supposed to be better for the civilians? You guys dropped them like a bad habit the moment you got what you wanted. This is the real face of what the U.S. government is doing. And they want you to think they're good because we want good. Don't forget that. Now, last couple of two last segments I want to finish with you today. This conversation, that doesn't mean we're almost over, probably another half hour, 45 minutes. But we have this conversation that I think is really important. Every other thing in foreign policy in particular, we're being lied about, lied to about. It's blatant. Hurting people under the guise of helping people. Now, Take that into a domestic perspective. These are the same people allowing a situation where they are hurting you under the guise of helping you. Now, right now in this conversation today with the COVID-19 chaos, the illusion therein, we are watching this play out where they're still screaming safe and effective. Benefits outweigh the risks. But you may not know that's an old 
tired argument that has been used for things that we can prove today, that they've admitted today, are dangerous. So there's a couple ways to look at this. The most important is for those out there that don't want to hear any of this, realize that if, if this is something, thermarosol, that we all can acknowledge, they've, they've removed it because it's bad. If you can prove, like we're going to with this clip right now, that they were calling that safe and effective, that they were calling it safe and the benefits outweigh the risks, all the way back then, and, and sticking with it and for way after this, and then we find out they were wrong or were lying. Can we not at the very least step back and be like, maybe they're wrong today? Maybe they're lying today? Clearly, we should be. Some people are in this for the, in not the right reasons and don't want to hear that. But the truth is, this was happening all the way back then. Here's the FDA telling you that thermarosol is safe and effective repeatedly. And this and, and Representative Dan Burton here can just exposes the hell out of this, showing you that the reason they're doing this is for production. For feasibility, for to make it more more effective for their own process, and then realize, re, exposing that they don't even know if it's safe. They just don't know it's they don't know if it's dangerous. Same game today, right? Well, we'll get all of theirs. Well, we don't know for sure, so let's keep going. Realize that this has all the hallmarks of everything that's still happening today, and I, it's amazing that we're still going through it because of the two party paradigm. But they still have thermarosol yes, in them. Yes, they still also have multi-dose vials that do contain Why don't they go to single-dose vials? Um, I know that they are considering the feasibility of... Why don't you tell them to do that? Um, we, we consider these vaccines, which also contain thimerosals, a preservative to be safe and effective. However, we do consider that it's important to have vaccines. Did, did you hear any of the testimony earlier from those people that were testifying, those scientists and doctors? Yes, I did. Did you see the, the study from Canada there that showed the damage it's done when a very minute amount of mercury is given, put in proximity to brain cells? I think it's hard to extrapolate that data to what actually happens in the clinical situation. Well, you know, every study that's been done, doctor, that you guys have put forth as uh, uh, showing that there's no correlation between thimerosal and autism, doesn't say categorically that thimerosal doesn't cause autism. They never say that. Can you tell me right now, categorically, without any doubt whatsoever, that mercury in vaccines does not cause autism? I think what I'd have to say is what the Institute of Medicine concluded is that the body of evidence neither allows no, you to I want you to give me a reject. I want you to give me a yes or no. Can you I, tell me? Can you say right now, just flat out, just say, can you tell me without any doubt whatsoever that the mercury in vaccines does not cause neurological problems or autism? We can neither accept nor reject a causal relationship. So what you're saying is you cannot tell me that. You cannot say categorically, can we you? We don't know one way or the other. But so why are you keeping something in there if you don't know right. one way or the other? When you know that there's an epidemic of autism. If there's an it's, so it's amazing we can know this then, and, it's, and now it's cloudy, right? The point is that at the very least, aside from what you think about autism, whatever, that they, at this time, and this is easy to look up as well, they did not know. So we can't tell one way or another. Now he gets in right next to about, then, then why are you doing it? But the point is, how is that even possible? A group that's supposed to be keeping you safe, ostensibly, that's what they claim their mandate is, is allowing this to stay in something so they can man manufacture it the way they like when they can't even tell if it's dangerous. I would simply argue that they chose not to be able to find if it was dangerous because their studies were clearly there. And yet it was done. And the point is, they act like we don't know. 
when the studies you can even look back on, it's clear their evidence was there. And that's why these other doctors that testified were showing you, yeah, it's obviously, and we know today, yes, it is. Are we going to pretend that they did multiple studies and they couldn't figure that out? So what's going on here? The same thing happening today. Epidemic of something. Why do you keep it in there when you're not sure? Because every study I've seen flatly says you're not sure. You say there's, you, you can't say yay or nay. I think you have to consider the benefit that vaccines confer, and there's a definite... Ah, and you see, this is exactly what they're doing with the cluster munitions right now, right? Well, well, the benefit that we'll gain from this, right, or rather, you know, saying, well, if we don't do... Like, the idea is that they... If, don't use the bad thing that Russia's it's kind of in reverse, but if we don't use the bad thing, Russia's going to take over and that will cause more harm. This hypothetical harm is more dangerous. So we have to then use the war crime thing because they might, it's the same kind of game, right? What do you, so the argument is this phantom concept that well, vaccinations, the way we have them cause more benefit overall. So we, we can do the bad thing and it's still kind of okay. Well, then why, why didn't include it at all? He gets into that benefit from influenza vaccine and having an adequate supply of vaccine is very important. Okay, well, let me follow up on that then. Single shot vials, does that need thimerosal? No, they don't, but there well, are then a lot why of... Well, then why don't we have single shot There vials? are a lot of manufacturing issues associated with switching over. You need yep. much more filling capacity for the... For manufacturing. Right, and the, 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 the abstract argument is, well, because we need to make enough, because if we don't have enough, more people will die. It's the same arguments they make today, which, by the way, I think is Flat out not true. Uh, you need a lot more other kinds of things that need to be introduced. So although it can be done, and both Evans and Aventus Pasteur have started to introduce that, mm -hmm. it is not something that at present they have the capacity to do well, in let entirety. Me, let me ask you this. Do these pharmaceutical companies that produce these vaccines have had in the past the ability to produce and have they produced single-shot vials? Mm -hmm. Yes, they do, because that's how Evans and Aventus Pasteur is doing it right well, now. How about, all, how about all of the pharmaceutical companies? Do all the pharmaceutical companies pretty much have the ability to produce single-shot vials? That's obviously yes, by the way. You know, I couldn't speak to that categorically. I don't know, but I do know certainly in the case of Aventus Pasteur and Evans that they do okay. have that ability because they are, are doing okay. that. Then, then why hasn't the FDA... To be on the safe side, knowing that we're having one in over 250 and in some cases one in 150 children becoming autistic, and there's a growing body of evidence that thimerosal and mercury is causing that, why wouldn't you go down the cautious road instead of coming up with these additional studies that say, well, we're not sure, we can't say yay or nay. Why not go to single-shot vials? I'm going to leave it in. Because we believe that the multi-dose vials continue to be safe and effective and that they speak to having enough supply of influenza vaccine, which serves a very important well, How can you say safe and effective when the whole point you just made is that you're not even sure if it's dangerous or not? You see the point, guys? This is the game that's played. Now, I don't know whether she's smart enough to know that's crazy or not. I quite frankly know, think she knows she's lying. But think about how alarming that is. With something that we right now know for sure is dangerous. Well, just like we know for sure these COVID shots are dangerous. But the point is that how long will it take 35 years for us to go back and go, oh, it turns out we know they're dangerous. After all, the children have been injected and everyone's dying from heart attacks. The point is, this is exactly what's happening today. And I think everybody knows that. Like Let me just end up effort. by saying this. You know, I, I, I'm a student. I studied for the, at the Cincinnati Bible Seminary. And, 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 and I don't like to quote scripture very often, but there's none so blind as those that will not see. You just sit there and you keep saying over and over and over again that you think that there's not a, a real danger for having this 
uh, mercury in these vaccines. There's been 1,500 plus articles written saying that there is a problem. We've got scientists from all over the world coming in here. You saw a demonstration from a Canadian tape showing the impact of a minute amount of mercury in, 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 in brain cells. And yet you kill, continue to say, well, we don't think that a very small amount of mercury, in, but you don't know because there's no study that you put out that I've seen, not one, that says categorically that mercury in vaccines does not cause neurological problems. You can't tell me that today. You've hedged all over that issue. And you guys just continue to keep coming up here and making excuses. And I don't understand why. Why not just get it out of there? Yeah. I think we all know why. I mean, it, it's just, it's really, really hard not to see what this shows you. One of the most important parts for me, guys, is to reflect on this, is that so that we know it was dangerous, right? They screamed it was safe and effective. It went on for years and, we, and it eventually got taken out, even though we know that it never was, which I argue, I think they knew that. You can decide all day, ask all, consider all day long about why they might have done that. But if we can't realize that this, con- so this conversation is being had all the way back then, that he is talking about this, Asking the right questions, considering the autism connection, and yet today it's almost more convoluted than ever. How is that even possible that it can be that near clear back then? Like whether you want to connect autism or not, the idea that we can see that there's a a dishonest tactic being used. It's that that for whatever reason, the powers that shouldn't be won. In this dynamic, that in time between then and now, they had taken control so clearly of the flow of information that people lost track, lost touch with the reality. I think we're winning that back today. But the bottom line is, same thing. If you can't consider that they might be doing the same thing now, if they might just be, with good intentions, wrong the same way today, which I don't believe, but if it makes it easier for you to wrap your mind around, you need to ask yourself whether you think that's happening again. I think we know what's going on. We can see it just like they could see it then. But it took 100 articles and 14 different studies, and which, by the way, is literally happening right now. Doctors all over the world continuing to show this. Now, Samson points out that the doctor there is working now at Greenleaf Health, a company that literally specializes in helping pharmaceutical companies navigate the evolving regulatory environment because clearly she's good at that. Makes me sick. Well, here is just an incredibly, like, I want to say laugh out loud, but it's kind of macabre how disgusting this is. Harvard and Yale scientists are investigating the new condition, the new condition called long vax. Well, at the very least, I'm glad this is getting some kind of of focus. But guess what it says? Debilitating suite of symptoms linked to the COVID shot. Shocking. (laughs) It's almost like you've heard this before. But it says that last month, no, it pretty much lasts a lot longer than that, and resemble long COVID. (laughs) Almost there, guys. Almost there. Almost had it. I'll include this for you. Where is it? Is this the one? I hope so. We have two peer-reviewed studies. Now, this gets misinterpreted by some people and not in any way implying that the vaccine side effects are not. We, I think we've all mostly proven that that is a, the majority of what we're seeing. The, and there's, there's peer-reviewed studies that make this argument that the, the, va- the so-called long COVID is just simply injection side effects. But on top of that, there's two different studies that make the argument that long COVID is largely psychosomatic. Two of them. Both peer-reviewed, one from 2021, one from 2023. Jamma Network. It's just, and yet, trust the science, though, right? <laughs> and yet, they all want you to long COVID because you've got this vaccine side effect that's lasting the rest of your life. Or the fact that your immune system is destroyed, so you're getting sick every 10 seconds and blaming that on long COVID. Either way, it's insulting to think that. But finally, they're calling it, at the very least. Long vax. 
but scientists stress it's extremely rare, and guess what? Benefits still outweigh the risks. Sound familiar? Should. We just watched it. All right, so same thing. It doesn't matter how much you keep seeing. How many individual rare things can be in a pile before the whole thing's not safe? Or the fact that we realize that it's dangerous aside from all of that. But the point is, I mean, if you really do the math and realize that you could take a very, 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 very rare risk that they're claiming are all super rare, and yet they've pointed out probably 500 of them. And I'm actually not even being hyperbolic. If you go and look at the list, it's crazy how many like serious adverse event side effects that they have on that list that they tell you are possible if you read their documentation. But then if you do the math and you pile it all together, how is it not more dangerous than, you know, you see the point. I've been making that point a long time. Of course, we also have another example of how they're pushing something they know is dangerous. We've, we played that really great clip of Dr. Maholtra at, uh, what was it again? I forget the college where they do that debate, where he stood up and made this very clear. And you can look at the actual peer-reviewed science that he cites. And that is that statins are a racket. They're, we're being lied to about this. They're actually far more dangerous than they are helpful. And it's, people are going to be, you know, as always, there's somebody's going to go, that's not true. It saved my mom's life or whatever. And maybe it did. But the point is that, yes, the peer-reviewed science and the actual real-world observation, the data we have, everything, as he knocks out of the park when he, and listen to us Maholtra talk about it. But the point is, Robin Minotti points out that many cardiologists have debunked the cholesterol statins racket, including Maholtra. Quote, they put this out anyway. The government says the new digital check will help to identify 200,000 people who could benefit from the same thing we know is hurting people. It's almost like they're trying to hurt people. Well, another point that you know we've been really talking about. Now, it kind of got spurred on by the East Palestine conversation, but it's been going on a long time. Derek has been writing about this, both for Contra Resistance and The Last American Vagabond, for years. All, like Even before Flint, Michigan. The fact that at the time, like right after Flint, Michigan, I believe he wrote an article talking about the fact that there are more than 50% of the states in this country have dangerous levels of lead. And they made us think it was only in Flint. That's probably why that happened. The point is, it's been very dangerous. And that's just one of them. We can show dioxins, PFAS through the roof. Back in 1994, CNN told you up to 108 to 150 times the, the safe limit in food you're eating. In water you're drinking. But who cares though, right? Because they don't want to tell you it's there. Well, guess what? Now that we've made sure you know what these things are and we've and that we've been not just T-Lab, but a lot of people have been really knocking this down and showing you, look, this is dangerous and they don't even know what to do with it, which is why they don't want to tell you it's there. Suddenly, guess what? Drinking water from nearly half U.S. faucets contain PFAS. Isn't that strange? Cats out of the bag. That's why they did this. So now comes the illusion of accountability and mainstream media awareness of the problem, even though it's been available info for years. And many of us have been called crazy by these same outlets for pointing that out. It's far more than PFAS. And then uh, Rich People Weekly points out, and guess what breaks down PFAS? The, uh, oh, the, the DMSO solvent, which I, I forgot to actually look back at this, is a byproduct of the paper industry. What's, in, what's interesting to me is how verifiable this is like this isn't even disputed and that's what's so crazy about it, is you can look back at all sorts of studies showing you this and yet it that only now is it being like we care i just don't know how people can't laugh about that in a very dangerous macabre way but it's like come on why now isn't that i mean it, 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 they don't care about anything other than narrative if they if only same point here Ruben points this out. Scientists have discovered two hidden compounds in sunscreens. You know about it. We've been telling you. One of them, 
benzene. You know, that completely dangerous thing that we all know is dangerous that we, if you read about it, it's like that shouldn't be in anything ever, but somehow it manages to be in your sunscreen in like children's toy. I mean, it's, it's crazy sunscreen that you rub on your skin. Both are carcinogens. The other one is benzo, uh, uh, benzophenone. Neither appear on any product labels. He says he paid for Customer Lab's independent test results, so you won't have to, for these eight products, you switch to approved brands. The point, oh, we list them all off down here, is that this is everywhere. And this was also one that was seen after the East Palestine conversation. Now, suddenly, people are aware of these things, so suddenly they have to start pretending they care. The point is, how is it there in the first place? What's the argument for allowing something that is known to be a carcinogen, known to be very dangerous? Just take a quick, we've done a focus on it, look up benzene. It'll blow your mind. You'll find this in things that kids interact with every day. Nobody cares unless they start realizing that you think they should or think that we know. But, you know, anyway, it just, it just blows my mind. Well, let's finish this up with a focus on the U.N. To connect the two points, right, realize that all of this could be for, you know, malfeasance. They just, you know, lazy profiteering. Or it could be something else. There could be a clear direction to drive people into a desperate situation to, to ask for help. You know, from the Great Reset, the reimagining of our healthcare system, because we're all getting sick for some reason. However, you want to look at this, just you frame it how you like. No matter what you think, they're telling you that this is coming. The shift into the reimagining, the technocratic future that will solve all your problems, so we're told, despite the fact that it's not even trying to solve your problems. Well, here's what Noah Harari is telling you about humanity in general. And ask yourself how they're going to drive you into this position. Then the big political and economic question of the 21st century will be what do we need humans for? Or at least, what do we need so many humans for? Do you have an answer in the book? Um, at present, the best guess we have is uh, keep them happy with drugs and computer games. Ah, cool. Well, welcome to the future. Well, here's Bernie's tweets pointing out something alarming, which is that UN is about to announce a plan to secure emergency powers, which we'll read you next, allowing it to lead a common agenda for all nations. This is this is removing sovereignty. That's what this is. Now, this is what I was talking about the other day. Let's check this out. This is from the Federalist. The UN is planning to seize global emergency powers with Biden's support. <clears throat> of course, comes out on Fourth of July. It's very fitting. Now, this says. In September 2024, less than two months before the US, next U.S. presidential election, I guarantee that's completely planned, the United Nations will host a landmark summit of the future. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, don't confuse this with the WHO, the pandemic accord, the treaty, the conversation. They're, the, In my opinion, they're the same thing, rather the same agenda. But these are different things. That's why this is so alarming. The court, the, this, this to me is about as alarming as the idea that all these countries went lockstep into COVID. Like the idea that we have these the United Nations and the WHO working together in coordination to create some kind of global emergency plan where nobody can deny what the isn't that everything we've been telling people would happen that we were laughed. You know, you're a conspiracy theorist, global government, NWO. Really, <laughs> it's like it's like being built under their nose, and people still act like it's crazy. Where members nation, member nations of the UN will adopt a pact for the future. Right. Do, do their constituents get a say? Right. What about voting for our future? Aren't we a democracy? So they tell us if that's even something we should want. No, we're supposed to be a republic. But the point is, are we even a representative government if this is what's happening? The argument will solidify numerous policy reforms offered by the UN 
over the past two years as a part of its sweeping Our Common Agenda platform. Because we're in this together, guys. Although there are numerous radical proposals included in the agenda, perhaps none are more important than the UN plan for a new emergency platform. A stunning proposal to give the UN significant powers in the event of future global shocks, such as another wide worldwide pandemic which they all tell you is just around the corner. Many of the details of the UN emergency platform were laid out in a March 2023 policy paper titled Strengthening the International Response to Complex Global Shocks, an Emergency Platform. I, I, you know, don't miss the language overlap. You know, MRA platforms, an emergency platform, like that's not, that's in my opinion, that's never by accident. In the paper, the UN Security General writes, quote, I propose that the General Assembly provide the Security General and the United Nations system with a standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of a future complex global shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach. Now, you'll see as they make that very broad, of course, you know, climate change could play a factor. Any number of global shock, whatever they decide is enough. Once triggered, the emergency platform would give the UN the ability to, quote, actively promote and drive an international response that places the principles of equity and solidarity at the center of its work. Why in the world would that be the main focus? Right. Like you got to You got to shoehorn in the idea that it's about like this needs to be if you're if like, look, this shouldn't even be happening. But if we're really if we're talking about this from an honest place. The idea that this was all with good intentions, the idea would the idea that we're going to focus more on equity and solidarity than actually solving the problem or keeping people safe. It's 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 the same as hiring somebody like KJP for her job, even though she can't even speak properly, because it's about equity and solidarity as opposed to the job. Right. The U.N. would bring together the stakeholders. There's your W.E. the WEF of the world, including academics, governments, private sector actors, and the international financial institutions. Yeah, because let's include the, the banking cartels, because that'll include, that will improve everything, to ensure there is a unified global response to the crisis. Why would the banking cartels be involved? The emergency platform would also give the United Nations the power to, quote, ensure that all participating actors make commitments that can contribute meaningfully to the response and that they are held to account for delivery on those commitments. That, that's just a long-winded way of saying you have to do what we say. In other words, the United Nations would be given unprecedented authority over the public and private sectors of huge swaths, uh, swaths of the world, all in the name of battling a yet unknown crisis. So that's why the banking that banks are included, right? So this, this could be any number of big, massive shifts that just say, well, here's the, here's the thing. A virus, and then they just initiate all sorts of massive changes that we don't get to say on. Although the duration of the emergency platform would initially be set for a finite period, it's just like everything else, like the Patriot Act that's never stopped or anything. There, these temporary acts that we just continue to, you know, reinitiate. That's why we still have an emergency for monkeypox because that makes no sense at all. But at the end of that period, the Secretary General could extend the work if required. Because that's how you set these things, right? With absolutely no checks and balances. Just if I decide, we can keep it going forever. Yeah, that's literally what it says. Including a major climate event. That's really that's right in there, guys. What does that even mean? A major climate event? Well, whatever they want to say. They tell you that pandemics are because of the climate change, right? It doesn't even matter. It's a climate event. Something happened. We're going to blame it on climate. Quote, also future pandemic risks. A, quote, global digital connectivity disruption? What? Look at this. So a cyber attack, a uh, I'm blanking on the term, a, a you know a 
son of a gun, a sun flare causes an EMP. Man, that's something that we've been talking about. Vanessa Bealy and I had an interview about that a long time ago. That being one of these major possibilities. Major events in outer space? <laughs> Get ready for Operation Bluebeam, the Project Bluebeam, and my personal favorite, unforeseen risks, black swan events. Great. And so just whatever else. That's always how this goes. And it should never be allowed. So you just, so whatever else? Just something else that we decide to argue is enough? It's just, it's complete. It's, it's the guise of some kind of structure set on the, a, a pile of unaccountability. Let's put it that way. But it says, or put it in simpler terms, a global shock is whatever the UN's leadership says it is, triggered whenever the UN wants. Finally, rather than stand up for American rights, of course, Biden has already agreed to sell us out, which, quite frankly, I would be hard. I would be surprised if Trump in this position would do any different or RFK for that matter. Oh, and then again, let's not forget, right? Simultaneously, alongside the pandemic treaty and the United Nations, they're literally calling for an international framework to keep spraying you from the skies because it's all about your safety, right, guys? <clears throat> well, last couple of points. Here is how this is going to begin, right? The drive into social credit, CBDCs. It's all about controlling what you can do. Here, Spiro points out at the World Economic Forum in China last week, they're quite just right out in front. We can decide what you do with your own money, which we already see happening right now. One final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital forms of physical currency. You can have programmability, you know, um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better and yeah, some people might see it or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that it deems less desirable, like, say, ammunition or drugs or pornography or something of the sort. And that is very powerful in terms of the use of a CBDC. Right. So if they decide tomorrow you can't eat red meat anymore, well, then we'll just stop you from doing that because it's better for everybody. Whoever gave these people this control or the idea that you can even just kind of wax intellectual about the idea of controlling people's financial decisions. Well, let's not forget, the Bank of International Settlements said this a long, excuse me, long time ago. Analysis on CBDC in particular for the use of general, to the general use, uh, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, and there is a huge difference there. Uh, for example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who is using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Those, are, those two issues are extremely important, and that makes a huge difference with respect to what... Uh, to what Cash is. Right. Right. So if you talk about this right now, people will call it a conspiracy theory. Despite multiple times from the leading industry personnel saying this is what this will do. And if you think that's not attached right now to some level of a credit score, let alone social credit score, which is what it is anyway, it's they've already made that clear. It's already been pegged to things like the uh, what was it? The the, the MasterCard 
No, 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 excuse me. That was one of them. That was different, though. That was like the wellness company, MasterCard overlap. But we're also talking about pegged to ins uh, the insurance companies or specifically the, the credit rating. It was like Experion. They're already pegged and tied to each other. It's not hard to see. It's literally being built in front of you. And people are being convinced it's not real. Well, here, Orwell sent me this. This is already happening. This is from somebody's bank. They went to get their money out of their bank. Here's what it says. The Federal Reserve Bank experienced a technical issue that may delay direct deposits. Now, and then, realize that was, that's not what she's there. This is every time trying to take money. I'm trying to take my money, and this is the, the weird error that keeps coming up. We're working to fix this. What do you mean? What, I'm not even trying to direct deposit. The point is that there's some kind of a, the point is that, that whatever the narrative is, sorry, can't do it. And we just played that video for you where she was telling you, I tried to get my money out. And I couldn't. They wouldn't even let me. I had to transfer my money to another bank. Which, thank God she was able to do that. This is happening in real time, guys. And it's very close to some, the rug being pulled out. Now, here is another Bernie's tweets from Bernie's tweets. The world, uh, the United Nations telling you very clearly that they are entered into a partnership in order to accelerate the complete conspiracy theory called Agenda 2030. And Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will, sign a, will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 Agenda. General and now, I'm well aware that 20, Agenda 2030 is – it's very clear. My point is for all this time, Agenda 21 – Agenda 2030, these things are sneered about, like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. And now that it's literally in the front, on the surface, they just go, no, 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 you're just misunderstanding it. Well, wait a minute. It was fake 10 seconds ago. And as I keep showing you, that's how this goes. And until we can start paying attention and acknowledging that, you know, that being breaking free of the two-party illusion construct, we'll miss the reality that will fly right past us as we bicker with each other. It's right in front of us, guys. And the last thing I want to leave you with, this is really, really weird and interesting. So this is a big thing that was done in uh, Las Vegas. There's this thing they call the sphere. Now, other videos you'll see of this, it's just, uh, you know, weird lights. It's basically a gigantic sphere where it's like a, a stadium. People can go in, watch different shows and base basketball and so on, right? But what they did is they put these outward uh, screens on it. And the people were seeing it was about swirling lights and so on. Look what they just did. This is not fake. This is, it looks like a gigantic basketball over the horizon. Look at how real that is. All I'm saying is now, obviously, you had to build a sphere, and then it was clear you could see it, and now it looks like this. But think about how crazy this is and how easy it would be to manipulate people based on a lot of different factors, with, with, whether we're talking about holograms or we've seen these things. They're, they're almost impossible. Like, if you didn't know, it looks real. Like the kind of stuff we've been seeing. So I'm just, just right now, guys, it has never been more important to just question what we're seeing, right? We need to question what's going on, what we're seeing, the videos we're seeing, the, the source material, what people are saying, right? If you see something break out tomorrow, some gigantic story, don't just fall into it if it aligns with what you already think. Question it. Look for the source material. If you can't, then hold off on reporting it. Like we need to start being better because this is going to get worse. Now, that doesn't mean it is. It's just that these people are desperate. We are winning the information war and corn animal analogy. 
it's only going to get you know darker before the dawn. It's it's just the reality is this is a dying power structure that is not just going to go easily. So it's going to make it worse for you. But we need to stick to our guns. We need to stay the course because you are making a difference. Never have I advocated for violence, and I won't start today. It's about continuing to expose the truth. So stick with us, guys. We're making a difference. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.